Welcome to a bonus episode of the Encourage podcast. We love sharing new books with you. And today, Encourage Community Manager Becky Keefe talks with one of our favorite authors. Listen as they have a conversation that's sure to encourage your heart, and you'll learn more about a book we love. Encourage friends, it's Becky Keefe, and I'm so glad to be back with you all um, for another Books We Love conversation. And this is where I get to sit down with amazing people and tell you about the amazing books that they have written. And today I am with one of my favorite people, a friend and Encourage contributor, Michelle Couchat. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Becky. Yay! We get to hang out. I know. This is like, I always get so excited when I remember that people are not just like little like square avatars online. Like you're a person (laughs) with a voice. I'm like a real person. I'm definitely bigger than a small square avatar, just so you know. Yeah, same, same. Um, Even more so now that I'm starting menopause, I'm even bigger than I was. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I I need to talk to my doctor. We might be in the perimenopause, but after turning 40 last year, I also am bigger than I was. And there you go. I just think we need to say, I need, I felt a need to say it for all of our women in the prime of their life over 50. I just want to call out and say it is okay for your avatar to not be as small as it once was. We'll just embrace all of it. You know what, friends? I feel like we could just leave the conversation right here today. Like mic drop right here and not even talk about the books we love. We'll just leave it right there. No, but there's too much other good stuff to talk about. But um, so I have a new book that I am loving. I am currently reading it. Um, it comes out in a, well, by the time this airs, it will be out in the world. And it, Michelle, yes, it is your new book. Definitely. It is called A Faith That Will Not Fail. And I love the subtitle, 10 Practices to Build Up Your Faith When Your World is Falling Apart. Hmm. Mm. I need that. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh. I actually, as you know, when we write books, we don't always get to be the ones who select the title and subtitle, right? Right. Often a publisher will change it and do what they think will serve the market best or whatever. But this was actually my title and my subtitle. Oh, I love that. And which doesn't happen very often. But um, as I was trying to, as I was really thinking through what is a resource Mm -hmm. that I wish I would have had when my world was falling apart, um, that's when I started creating the concept for this. And I'm like, the subtitle was exactly what I, how I would have spoken. And so that's why we came up with that 10 practices to build up your faith when your world is falling apart. And boy, I felt like my world was falling apart. Yeah. And I love that it's 10 practices to build up your faith when, because I don't like this reality, but the reality is, is at some point or another, in some way, we all face our world falling apart. And I feel like other messages that I see out in the world is what to do to keep your world from falling apart or what to do to put your world back together. And all of those things are like so um, Mm self-reliant, but these building our faith is building into the fact that like we are not self-reliant. We are God-reliant. Yes, yes absolutely. You know, I have, uh, I said this to somebody the other day and um, believe this to my bones. This is not a self-help book. Mm-hmm. 
so self-help, there was no way I could self-help myself to a stronger faith, okay? So even though this is talking about 10 practices, and we'll get into that, this is not a self-help book. This is a book of practices that are less about doing and more about being, mm. less about you working your way for, to faith and more about you sitting in the work that Jesus has already done. Yeah. And so for those of you who are like, the last thing I need is a book with homework. That's not what this is. This is not a homework book. This is not about you um, being more spiritually disciplined and you know, memorizing the entire Old Testament and praying for 12 hours a day. That's not what this is. Even though if you want to do that, go for it. This is really about the fact that Jesus has already done the heavy lifting, mm -hmm. the work of your faith. Uh, and being connected and having access to God. That work's already been done. That's why Jesus said it is finished. So these practices are you and I learning how to get really grounded in that truth, that reality that's already been taken care of for us. Yeah. I love that word grounded because yeah. it's like, it's so easy to be swayed. It's so easy to feel like I'm tripping over my own feet to feel like, you know, the ground is being swept out from under me. And yet to think about like, how do I be more grounded with Jesus? Um, mm -hmm. And Michelle, just in the introduction, you point out, you you bring to light this story of 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 Peter and Jesus, and Peter, um, you know, is like so devout and is like Jesus, like you know, I would never deny you, and. Jesus is like, well, actually, like you're going to. <laughs> yeah, I know. Three, right? Three times. Um, but then. Yeah, not just once, but you're going to blow it three times in one night, Peter. Right. <laughs> um, but you say, you write, long before Peter failed, Jesus prayed. Jesus mm -hmm. prayed. Not that Peter wouldn't fail, but what did, what did Jesus pray for? Yeah, so it's this whole scene. By the way, the context of that scene is the Last Supper. Yeah. So it's the night, um, the night that Jesus is going to be arrested and he'll be tried, eventually crucified, and he will die. This is sitting at the Last Supper. Supper. So Jesus is fully aware of what's about to come down the pipe. Mm -hmm. Like he. He feels it. He knows it. He knows this is why he came, was to die for the salvation of mankind. He was aware and had been warning the disciples that this was about to happen. But the disciples weren't getting it. Like, they were still living in denial. And I'm, like, raising my hand going, I get that. I love to live in denial and pretend like these bad things aren't going to happen. Right? And so they're in denial. So they have this pregnant moment at the Last Supper where Jesus looks at Peter and says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Now, in modern language, basically what he's saying is, Peter, the devil is going to eat you for lunch. It's going to get ugly. You're going to, he's going to take you down and it's not going to be pretty, right? So, I mean, like pretty serious. Imagine Jesus telling you that. You're going to, you're going to fail in a royal way tonight. But then he goes on to say, but Peter, I have prayed for you. Mm. Now that's, mind-blowing to me that Jesus knows what's coming. He's on the verge of his own um, ridiculously severe suffering, and he's praying for Peter, not even himself in that moment, right? So he's praying on behalf of Peter because he knows that his own suffering is going to cause Peter's suffering too. Like it's going to cause an upheaval in Peter's heart and life that Peter's not yet prepared mm -hmm. for. And so to preempt that, Jesus has already prayed for him. And take a moment to think about that, that we have a Jesus that knows what's to come, even if we don't know what's to come, and he has prayed for us ahead of time. 
right? right? Anyone else, anyone else taking a deep breath on that one? That he prays for us. He has prayed for us. Now, the final part and what you were getting to is what does he pray for? And this is fascinating to me because I'm like, okay, when you and I are facing a crisis, I mean, we'll come up with a shopping list of prayers that with little check boxes next to them for God to, you know, go through. This is what I need, God. I need you to answer these prayers. And they're usually related to our circumstances. Right. So I need my son to get an A on his test that he's been studying so hard for. Um, I need my marriage to not fall apart. I need to not end up divorced. Or I need my doctor's appointment to go well and for them to have a cure to this chronic issue I'm dealing with. Or... I need a check to come in the mail that's going to pay the bills or whatever. We have very specific. Because in our minds, those things are what's most at stake. Those are the things that are the most dangerous, threatening, fearful things in our lives. And yet in this moment, when Jesus says, I've prayed for you, Peter, you said, what did Jesus pray for? Because what Jesus prayed for tells us something about what's most at stake. And Jesus says, Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Mm. In other words, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. You're going you're gonna to go through, the, you're going to go to hell and back, okay, over the next coming days, Peter. And it's not going to be pretty and you're going to fail. But I'm not going to pray for your marriage. I'm not going to pray for your health. I'm not going to pray for your bills or that you would avoid arrest or that You'll have a good time with your friends. I'm not praying for any of those things. I've prayed for your for you, Peter, that your faith will not fail. Now that changes the um, the ground on which we stand because all of a sudden now we have to face the reality that is that what is most at stake is not all these other details in our life, but what is most at stake is the same thing in all of these circumstances. It's our faith. And what we're going to do with our faith when those things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it makes me wonder, Michelle, like for you, how has that changed the way you face your suffering? Or when you're in the midst of this and you are, you know, just your heart is crying out. And I think, you know, God still, he accepts our prayers. Like it's not that we can't cry out for our health and our marriages and our finances and our prodigal kids and the wisdom that we need, Mm -hmm. you know, for the next decision we have to make. But like, how has that impacted your life when you are feeling like your world is falling apart and you realize that Jesus has prayed for your faith? Yeah. Well, for one, uh, there's a great assurance in the the fact of the matter that Jesus has prayed for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is God's son. This is the with us God, the Emmanuel. So knowing that he has prayed for me, and nobody's a better prayer than Jesus is, right? So, <laughs> you know, he has prayed for me. That's huge. That means that, you know, even when I don't even know what to pray for, Jesus has already prayed. That's huge. But the fact that he's prayed for my faith, all of a sudden now, as I go through these different challenges, and I've lived through multiple seasons of life now. I've, I've got kids that, age, that range in age from 31 to 16. Um, I've had multiple cancer diagnoses myself. I've lost family members to cancer and other things. I've gone through church hurt. And I mean, we could go on and on and on. But in all of these very hard circumstances, and I've had plenty of hard circumstances, The one unifying factor is, what am I going to believe to be true about God in the middle of Mm -hmm. this? And that is my faith, right? So all of a sudden now, as I contemplate additional hard things, 
my perspective is a little different because my outcome or my faith is no longer in an outcome, a possible outcome. Mm-hmm. My faith is in a person. Yeah. And he stays the same no matter what happens. Yeah. So practically speaking, uh, this whole concept has reoriented where I put my focus and how I get grounded, like you said, mm-hmm. that my grounding isn't on whether or not this thing happens that I've been praying for, but I can be grounded right here, even knowing that it may not happen. Like I think yeah. I can get grounded right here and be okay. Yeah. So you have written about, um, suffering and faith in different um, ways before, and yet this new book of faith that will not fail is very different. How how is it different? And and walk us through how it's set up. Yeah. So typically, I I like to write in story, in narrative, and kind of tell my own story. I've written memoir and um, and um, kind of a. A scriptural narrative mm-hmm. where I tell my story with a scriptural basis. This book, what I tried to do is uh, when I was in a place of deep suffering, what I found is people don't always know how to be able to help when you're in pain. Yeah. And so they think they're helping and they think they're contributing to helping you by loading you down with, with at times, you just need to pray more. You just need to read your Bible more. You just need to do all these things more. And that is not a lifeline. That's a burden. That's like weighing me down when I'm already drowning in my suffering. So I thought, what would I have needed in this place of pain that would really have felt like a lifeline? So my goal with this book is to make the practices, the the um, the insights that I had that truly helped me make them as accessible and digestible as possible for the person who is drowning in their suffering. So it's like big theological concepts boiled down into 50 short chapters that you can do in about five, 10 minutes a day. So they're really rooted in scripture, but they're nuggets that the person who's so overwhelmed by their pain that can hardly see through their tears have something they can hold on to to make it through one more day. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to tell you, so I just got an early copy um, and have been enjoying it. And I love to read, but I got really excited when I saw that each chapter was like four pages because <laughs> I'm like, I can I, know. I can do that. And, you know, you asked before we started recording how you said, how are you doing? And I said, you want the honest answer? Like, I'm struggling. Like, I am, I have clinical anxiety and like, I, it's hard right now. It's really hard. And um, one thing you talk about in the introduction of this book, so there's 10 practices, five days for each practice. So you mathematicians, uh-huh. 10 times five equals those 50 chapters Michelle just said. Um, but, yes. but what you say is like, let your heart lead where you need to go in this book. Like mm-hmm. you can start where you need to start. And so... Um, and I love it. it's just so it's so practical and accessible. You talk it's the practice of lament, the practice of worship, the practice of humility. I turned the page of the table of contents and I read the practice of relinquishment. Day one, the never ending drive for control. Okay, I'm gonna turn to page eighty. Like that's <laughs> yes, like that's I know, right? that's what I needed. Um, right here in the season. Day two, the relief of letting go. I'm like, oh, Lord, I could feel myself like 
trying to live my life like tight fisted and like needing that relief, that invitation to let go. So I really I kind love of that. I like to think of it as a faith first aid kit, mm. right? You've got this kind of faith first aid kit. So where are you bleeding? What do you need? Do you need a bandage? Do you need some an alcohol? So what is it that you need? And this book, my hope is you find what you you take what you need and leave everything else. Come back and get something that you need. But it's supposed to be, you know, go to the place of your pain today mm. and find a little um, nugget, bite-sized nugget of hope and truth that can help you hang on in this hard place. Right. And here's the thing, friends. I think you probably already can tell this about Michelle if you don't know her, you're not familiar with her writing, but you're a deep person, which is what I love about you. <laughs> and like, you're not like Miss Sugarcoat. And so while you say like these small nuggets and easily digestible, that doesn't mean that it's fluffy. Like, You are sharing like very real, raw parts of your story and in Mm -hmm. so doing, ushering us through scripture and then providing a simple practice each day, a way to to digest our own faith. You say a five-minute faith builder, something that we, Uh not another to-do list to like weigh us down, but more like a... like 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 a buoy to to lift us up mm-hmm. in in the midst of whatever it is that we feel like we're drowning in. Yeah, those five minute faith builders. Again, when you are overwhelmed by a circumstances, whatever it is, like for you, you just said that your anxiety is really um, making it hard to be in your own skin right now. You don't have like it would probably feel impossible to you to sit down and do a one and a half hour Bible study right now because that's just not working. But you can find that five minute faith builder mm-hmm. that maybe a breast prayer where you are doing a uh, a practice of praying a sentence out loud with your hands open. That you can do, right? That's one way to get grounded. That's fairly, you could even do it standing at your kitchen counter or in the car, right? Right. But these are ways for us to reconnect with the earth beneath us, which is really Jesus himself, like to get so grounded in our foundation of faith that even when everything else feels frantic and unraveled, we have somewhere firm to stand. Yeah. So, Michelle, I know that as a writer that we often go into book projects, you know, with lots of experience, with lots of ideas, and yet I have yet to to write something and not have God teach me something new along the way. <laughs> or I remember when I was writing my first book about motherhood and I told God, I don't I don't need any new material. Um, and he's like, ha, 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 <laughs> yeah. why are you trying yeah. to b- broker deals? Um, but so I would love to know if that has been your experience. And if so, like what what yeah. what did you learn about God or even yourself through writing a faith that will not fail? Yeah. That's such a good question. Uh, You know, I've had plenty of experience to write about faith and suffering. So for those who are not familiar with my story, the last 30 years, so from 21 to 51, I'm 51 right now, 30 years, I've had a series of significant, relentless, uh, and consecutive losses. Uh, There's not time to go through all of that, but it's been everything from unexpected divorce and single motherhood to parenting stepchildren and biological children to foster adoption of three kids from trauma, three cancer diagnoses, 
pregnancy, miscarriage, church conflicts. We could go on and on. That's how the last 30 years have gone for me. So I have lots of material. And yet, as I was writing this book over the last two years, uh, and even as I was finishing the rough draft about a year ago, I felt God just impress upon my heart. In fact, you'll read it in the end, in the conclusion. I felt him just whisper to me, more is coming, Michelle, more is coming. Mm. And you just need to be ready. The testing, the the trials that you know Satan has asked to sift you is sweet too, and more is coming, and you need to be ready. Uh, and and he was right. Like within a week of turning in my manuscript, some situations happened where my world started to fall apart. Not just one situation, but two. And I'm not at liberty to share. It's still very, very private. But the reason I am letting you know this is happening is because I had to then walk out. Do I believe what I wrote is true? And are these practices legit or am I just trying to sell a book? And, uh, and so what I learned is, what I learned about myself is, uh, one, I am still just as susceptible to suffering and a crisis of faith as anyone. My years of experience hasn't made me bulletproof to suffering. And it hasn't made me bulletproof to questions and doubts and struggles, okay? Um, I am just as much in need of Jesus' saving as I've ever been. Yeah. But I've, what I've learned about God is, uh, it's like I have Lamentations 3 coming to mind right now. I remember my, my bitterness and my goal, my wondering, um, and you know I'm paraphrasing, but I remember all of that. Yet, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Um, for his compassions never fail. His mercies are new Every morning, great is his faithfulness. And what I've learned about God is I've had ridiculous amounts of suffering, and yet God still had new mercies for me over the last year as I walked through more suffering. He's had new mercies, new insights, new awarenesses of his presence. He has has captured my heart and taken my breath away in ways I didn't think were possible in this season. Mm. I'm not having to rely on his goodness from 20 years ago, although he did it good things back then too. He is literally doing things for me today that make me starkly aware of his reality and his goodness, even while I'm weeping. Mm. Wow. And that, I don't know if that hits you like it does me, but that is so... um, Another thing happened on Sunday, again, that showed me his reality in a way that blew my mind away. And I walked through my house at 8 o'clock at night laughing, saying out loud, God, you are ridiculous. You (laughs) are ridiculous. I cannot believe how good you are to me. Mm -hmm. It is over the top, and you are just flat out showing off. And I don't know what to say, but I am just crazy about you. Um. That is amazing that I can be in a season, another season where everything is upside down and I'm wrestling and grieving and crying more than I have in quite some time. And yet God is still showing up and showing himself new and fresh and more than capable of walking out the season with me. Uh, That's good news. Even if my circumstances don't resolve, that is incredibly good news. That is fantastic news. That gives me a whole lot of hope. And I think that that is absolutely 
the manifestation of Jesus's prayer for you, Michelle. He has prayed in advance for your mm-hmm. faith, and his prayer is is powerful and effective. And powerful, and we are seeing that. Um, that's a great. That's a great point. That's something else that I have learned and that I have changed. So I still pray, like you said. There is, we are at, we are commanded to pray uh, in intercession for the people in our life, for ourselves. This idea of praying over these things, you know, like you said, prayer is powerful and effective. It accomplishes. The word of God does not come to us and return void. All of that kind of stuff. It's it's important. But at the end of my prayers, I quite often say, God, no matter what happens, strengthen my faith. Yes. Build up my faith. Help my faith to be strong. Help my faith to endure no matter what happens. And adding that to my prayer has been a key difference in my journey over the last, you know, 10 years or so, but especially the last year, is I just keep coming back. When people ask me, what can I pray for you for? Yeah. Pray for my faith. Mm. Pray for my faith, please. That's the best thing you can do is pray for my faith. Yeah. And I had never, when I, when someone says pray for my faith, I think, oh, are you in a crisis of faith? But no, like you're, you, you, that's the acknowledgement of how foundational, how all important, like that, that really is what matters most because it is through our faith that then we are able to, that's the main lens through which we see God and our circumstances and how we navigate it all and how ultimately, like you're teaching us, how we stay grounded um, mm-hmm. on the foundation of Christ. That's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't have to be in crisis to pray for our faith. Yeah. In fact, we should be praying for our faith before we're in crisis. Right. That's like the whole idea. And even if you're not in a crisis right now, a faith that will not fail is helping you lay a brick at a time into your foundation of faith so it's well established if and when a storm comes. That's what the aim is. We don't want to repair a house when a hurricane happens. We want to make sure it's solid long before the storm comes. And that's what we want to do. Right. Oh, so good, my friend. Well, encourage friends, a faith that will not fail. 10 practices to build up your faith when your world is falling apart. It's available now. Um, Michelle, tell us where people can find this and find you um, and, and just follow along with your story. Absolutely. Well, the book is available anywhere books are sold. So Barnes and Noble, Target, Amazon, Parable, ChristianBook.com, Incur- Dayspring's website, we'll have it. So we have it all kinds of different places. But if you want more information and ready links to be able to find it, just go to MichelleKushat.com forward slash faith and you can find all the info, little memes and graphics with quotes from the book, everything that you could possibly need right there. And I'll just give a little advice in case anyone's asking for it. I think you should get two copies because I think that you should have one for yourself and then one to give a friend because we all have those times where we just see someone that we love who is hurting or struggling and we wonder like, Lord, I will pray, but what else can I do? And like Michelle said, this is a book that it's not just going to be shackling on another to do, but really saying, here's, here's, here's a lifeline. Um, so, and friends, uh, this week on Encourage, Michelle had an article. So if you missed that, make sure to go to encourage.me slash blog and find Michelle's recent article, which is an excerpt from A Faith That Will Not Fail. Um, I loved reading that and I know it will encourage you guys too. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Becky. I loved it. The Encourage podcast is narrated by Rachel Marie Kong and brought to you by Dayspring. For over 50 years, Dayspring has created quality cards, books, and gifts that help you live your faith. 
Find out more at dayspring.com.